Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the People's Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'm Bic Nazar, full house behind the glass. we got Mac, we got Ben, we got Dom running the show, plus you. Always part of the show, texting in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Coming off of another game for your Vancouver Canucks, 6-4. Back-to-back six goals against on home ice uh, for the Canucks, but the the ire from the fans isn't as much nowadays because we're in the tail end of the season, final third, getting wor- getting uh, more worked up about the draft lottery uh, than uh, we are the actual results. And uh, Canucks, hey, improve their draft lottery odds last night. And keeping an eye on tonight's scoreboard, it's... Uh, a full one. I feel like we're starting the show every day now with the, the lottery update. What to look forward to. We're an hour away from puck dropping games, like Montreal and Carolina. That's a big one, obviously. Uh, Winnipeg playing Columbus tonight, and San Jose in Vegas. Your big uh, lottery odd games to keep an eye on. But, yes, they do uh, give up uh, six more on home ice. We've got a lot to get into throughout the course of the show. We'll connect with our guy from Dunbar Lumber, Ken Priestley, two-time cup champion, our Mr. Fix-It, uh, on the other side in about a half hour. But let's uh, chat to our guy on Thursdays. It's Brad May, longtime NHLer, former Vancouver Canuck. We chat with him every Thursday here on the People Show. Let's get into it with uh, Brad. Brad, how are you doing? Doing great, thank you. How are you? Uh, always good, always good here on our end, uh, and we're we're coming off uh, an exciting game. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the most uh, structurally sound or one for the the coaches, or, or or maybe even for yourself, a former player looking at it and saying, "Wow, that's really open at times." Uh, but the Canucks uh, start a young goalie in that spot. You know, I was talking yesterday, and I thought it just felt like you know, talk is going through this process of re-educating the players on how they want to play defense and giving them a hard practice, and then here's this Eastern Conference juggernaut. And welcome to the NHL, kid. I just wasn't sure if it was the best spot. I understand putting him, you know, getting him a game so we can understand what the NHL is like. But I, I, he, he did, I guess, okay. You saw the hiccups that you'd expect a young player to make. But what did you think of, A, how he performed, but also putting him in that spot? Well, I think, you know what, it's trial by fire. Um, clearly, this isn't the way it's scripted by any organization. But when you're struggling like Vancouver has, you gotta, you know, you got to put players in, in, in different different spots with different roles. And I think, you know, obviously playing against New York, who's highly, you know, offensive. And of course the, the pickup of um, Tarasenko has obviously made their top six that much better. I think it's a great opportunity for um, a young goaltender to come into an environment like that. Listen, at the end of the day, um, Vancouver needs better team defense and, you know, more structure to their game. And, they're going to learn how to play like that. There's no doubt about it with the you know new personnel possibly in the future. But uh, for a young goal, you got to take your chance when you get it. And um, it was definitely a fun game to watch. Who is the coach? Because you're talking about um, just overall team defense. Like, who is the strictest defensive coach that you had? You know, I had I had a few actually. Um, interestingly, Mark Crawford was a you know we had a really high flying team obviously in the early 2000s 
with the West Coast Express. But um, Crow and, and Mike Johnson, Mike was a fantastic X's and O's coach. Um, he did a lot of the um, the game planning for sure. Crow actually was really good on the bench. He was um, one of the best in-game coaches that I played for. Um, not a nice guy, not a, not, a, not a pleasant guy to play for at all times, but um, – you know, he, he definitely stressed, you know, defense, um, and we and we had some good players that obviously could play defense. Um, but I'd say, you know, Crow in Vancouver. But then I would say that Mike Babcock, although he, he was an offensive-minded coach, he was very detailed in Detroit, um, really didn't let any of the players, you know, um, take too much or cheat too much. It was a lot of his his coaching and his teaching was, was all about being in the, in the defensive zone, playing fast defense, um, which was an interesting um, phraseology, but um, it was, it was fun to play for him in that sense. But especially when you had a guy like, or two players like Zetterberg and Datsuk, who, you know, if you played good defense, those guys were going to make, make things happen in the offensive zone. But um, outside of that, I think every coach has a system and, for me, I think that playing in a lot of different systems, the left wing lock, um, when I was with Buffalo in 1990, I want to say it was 1995, um, left wing lock, that was basically implemented by the New Jersey Devils. Um, John Mucker was our coach at that time, and um, we were very defensive. We had lost Pat LaFontaine to injury, and Dale Howarchuk was injured for a while, so our team was really depleted, and the only way for us to compete was good goaltending, Dominic Hasek, and um, and playing good team, team defense. That's It's funny that you say Crow, because that's not the reputation, right? Like, the reputation is like, hey, high-flying offense. Is that part and parcel because, hey, we have this ex- the opportunity to be so explosive, but you have to handle our end first to allow the opportunity to be explosive? That's exactly it. And I think that's why I, – I wouldn't say he was the most defensive coach, that's for sure. But um, every day in practice, it was all about defense. It was all about – you know, tracking the puck, always being on the right side of the battle, which would be the defensive side, um, not getting caught cheating. Um, you know, un- until the puck was on your stick and you had odd man situations, um, most of the team, now the West Coast Express players, they were basically told just don't get scored on. You can play any way you want, pretty much. Uh, Brendan Morrison was the cog in that wheel um, up the middle, but the rest of us, we had to play to a, a you know a certain um, standard, and if you didn't, you weren't going to play, or you weren't going to play very much. Talking to Brad May as we do every Thursday here on the People Show. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the the, the defense, and I, I just look at it right now, and I, I know he picked up an injury yesterday, and it's all of Reckman Larson. We've talked about it briefly uh, in the past too. You know, what do you do in this scenario? Um, is this just trending towards uh, an, an inevitable buyout in the summer? Well, it's tough, right? Because I, I really like the player. I, I mean, he was great. Um, everybody loved him when he was a captain in, in Phoenix or Arizona, I guess, when they changed their name over. Um, good player, but just hasn't really mounted or hasn't really availed itself to him. Um, I think this injury probably, you know, it's not a good thing, but um, probably gets him out of a tough year and maybe he battles and he gets himself back and, and they don't buy him out and he, and he, and he, the reclamation project and he does real well and, and he finds his game again. Um, I would hope to think that that's what's going to happen, but 
there's no doubt salary cap and 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 roster spots um, they're very precious and you've got to be you got to manage it properly so um, tough situation for Vancouver uh, didn't want to see that when you see like guys who have been in this league and and have had careers of high prominence, right? This is a guy who's been, you know, in Norris consideration, obviously earned himself a massive contract, but you can see he's battling it as a teammate. Like, what do you try to do? Or it's, do you just try to leave people to their own devices? Well, the hard, the hard part there is a lot of the players and, and in that environment, everybody's struggling, not struggling, but everybody's battling, right? you know, to play and, and somehow be part of a winning, you know, winning night or, or, just being on the right line that actually is not making mistakes and, and is playing in the plus category. So um, it's not easy because when a team's not doing well, you really do have to internalize and, and worry about yourself first because if you don't get your game going, then it really doesn't matter about everything else because your, your impact isn't there. And um, I think it's about veteran players, players that, you know, that, that can do both. And yeah, it's not easy. And, you know, that fall from grace, not every player has ever experienced that. Most players are, are just, I don't want to say struggling, but battling to stay in the lineup and stay, you know, prominent, you know, in the, on the roster. So it's not an easy place for, for teammates and certainly not, not easy for Oliver. Uh, a player we love talking about, uh, Andre Kuzmenko. He was kind of the highlight of last night, and the 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 assist he gets uh, better than the goal he gets because he he does so much to create that play, uh, working around Adam Fox and working in tight against Igor Shosturkin. You know, s- such a a fun player, but he's been under the microscope here, where his minutes have kind of gone down. But here he is showing up and still being able to produce. He's getting the the tough treatment. Uh, a little bit from uh, from Rick Tockett right now to try to make him a better player. But what have you noticed in his game here recently and, and just the handling of him right now? I like it. I really like it, and I'll tell you why. He's got 23 goals. This this young man has nothing to be ashamed of. He's having a heck of a year. He's just signed a, you know an extension, um, and it's all about building for the future and learning how his new coach wants him to play. Um, yeah, you may want to be on the ice a few more minutes a night, and maybe as a fan on a losing team, you really want to watch Kuzmenko maybe get to 30 goals or even even further. But I like the idea of being disciplined. I like the idea of that treatment on better players because it actually sets up you know, the hierarchy of, of your team going forward. So um, I like it. I, but I'll tell you, it's fun to watch him play. I'd rather watch... Kuzmenko on the ice, you know, most most shifts and most nights, um, and other players. There's no question about it. 23 goals, beautiful season having he's having so far, and he beat a player which I really love. Adam Fox is the best. If it's not Kale McCarr, it's Adam Fox, who's the smartest defenseman in the National Hockey League, and what a player he is. And to beat him the way it was done um, to set up that goal, um, pretty pretty nice to watch. I was kind of making the point on the other postgame show a few games ago that, you know, Kuzmenko, with the minutes being reduced, and players generally, or at least for me, I think, is like one of the best compliments you can get is a coach coaching you hard. Now, there's one thing to be uh, vindictive and, and have it out for a player, but it's another thing to say, hey, we're doing this because we're trying to push you to get better. You played on the ice. You were in the show. Uh, is that the best compliment, and is that the type of relationship you want with your coach? You know, I guess as a player – um, not gonna not gonna lie to you. 
it's amazing when you have a coach that just gives you all the rope that you need and you have the ability to to go out and play and if you do make mistakes you continue to play so that's a selfish idea or view mm-hmm. from a player but sorry i got a little little bell going off in, in my <laughs> car here um no so for for me when you look at that it's it's great to have a coach that cares enough about you and if you're mature enough to handle the teachings mm-hmm. um you're only going to become better you'll be a better teammate a better leader and probably have a better runway of success um if you're playing the way the coach wants you to play more disciplined um and more responsible at the end of the day when the puck's on your stick though for players that have the skill set you know like like andre has um you know, it, it, you should let that player in the offensive zone be as, be as creative as he possibly can be. When he doesn't have the puck, make sure he's above the battle, third man high, sealing off the boards or, or pinching or filling in for the defenseman who pinches. All those staples that you need in your game. But when the puck's on your stick, um, the best players, let them be creative. He's obviously been on and off Elias Patterson's line. Uh, and we see Anthony Bovillier go there, and he's got a little bit more uh, jump to his game. Uh, what's the style of player that you want to see go with Elias Pettersson? Because it feels like you know we've we've done some so much rotation here on Pettersson's wing. It's almost the same problem as Horvat had, where he never found consistent wingers. But is there a style you want to see go next to Petey? Well, I, I I would say it's a it's a highly skilled right wing shot, um, and I say probably the right wing because right wingers score more goals than left wingers for the most part. Um, although a highly skilled winger, but then also have a bigger, stronger, more robust forward that actually can get in on the forecheck, basically do all the dirty work, all the grunt work. First in on the forecheck, first one back in the, in the defensive zone. And if you actually can keep up and do that as a player, then you're going to have a great assignment playing alongside, you know, two great players. I would liken that by, you know, back in my time in Vancouver, just to um, kind of draw the comparisons, Trent Klatt, who played with the Sedins, with Daniel and Henrik, Clatter was very responsible, hardworking, physical, killed penalties, did other things that other players don't want to do. And Anson Carter had a good run, too, with the Sedins. And that's another player, good speed, forecheck, um, and the physical brand. So um, I like that perfect combination. I guess in a perfect world, I'd like to have Tom Wilson from the Washington Capitals on on the wing, um, on that line, and see how they could do. I'm curious, why do you say right-wingers score more than left-wingers? Well, just traditionally and historically, um, right-wingers are better scorers. Um, Not as many 50-goal scorers left-wingers. Right-wingers are are typically the ones that do that. Um, For me, as a left-winger and a left-hand shot, I love looking and I love surveying right hand uh, right hand sticks um i think right-handed hockey players look better to my eye so maybe it's a personal preference for me but um as a lefty i i really value the right the right side and maybe it's because it's a mirror image of the what i see but um i just think the best hands in in the game are are right-handed players with the toe drags and shots um I'm thinking right now Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff, Alex Ovechkin, and, and I could keep going down the line on right-handed shooters. 
Uh, talking to Brad Mays, we do every Thursday here on The People Show. One of the guys who's played on Pedersen's wing is Brock Besser. You know, why do you feel like he can't find any consistency in his game? You know, last year, obviously, he was detailed off the ice, you know, family issue, and it, it was it was tough for him. That's a, a lot of people have sympathy for it. And coming into this year, it, it just it, he's, he's put up points, but the, the game-to-game consistency hasn't necessarily always been there. No, and, and, and there's a lot of reasons for it, right? First of all, there's, there's been three coaches now, um, so it's different messages. And the moment you get caught thinking about playing and thinking about being quick and where you need to be on the ice, the moment you're thinking, you're slower. So I would say that's number one. It's probably just that he doesn't have the continuity of the messaging over the course of two seasons because it has changed. Um, and then I think just momentum and confidence. Confidence is such a... It's such an excuse for players, mm-hmm. you know, to just blame it on confidence. But confidence is a real thing. And, you know, if you could bottle the feeling that, it, that, you, that every player has had at that level where you actually were in the zone, if you could bottle the zone, it's a trillion-dollar trillion dollar idea and patent. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. But when the player doesn't have it and can't find it, they struggle. And I just think it's, a, it's been an off year for Brock. And... Um, there is times where we watch and he can skate and play and he does, you know, exactly what he did when he first came into the NHL, um, which we all fell in love with. Um, I just think maybe time away from the rink this, this summer and coming back to hockey and knowing exactly putting in a, you know, four or five months of work coming back next season. Now, I'm not writing off the year, by the way, but there's no doubt I expect him to be a much better player next year than he has been over the last two. He's constantly in trade rumors as well, and and maybe that takes a toll after so long. Uh, here we are, just a, a couple of weeks removed from the trade deadline. Uh, you know, from a player like obviously you know when the date is coming up, but is is this part like the most tense time? Because you're thinking, here we go, like 16 days, the 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 hat could drop at any moment now. Yeah, it's. Um, I got traded a bu- a few times. I say a bunch of times, but um, I I changed teams in the summer a few times. But being traded was um, the first time was really, really difficult, very emotional. Um, it was tough on me, and I was traded from Buffalo to Vancouver. However, when I landed in Vancouver, here's the greatest advice I got. I went for dinner with Steve Steos in Yelltown, and Stevie and I played junior together and really, really dear friends to this day. Steve had been traded from the Boston Bruins about a year earlier to the Vancouver Canucks, and his advice to me when, I, when he asked me how I was doing, I'm like, I'm really upset. I thought I was going to be in Buffalo for my life. And, you know, it's all about family and I never expected to be traded. And Steve said, and it was great advice. He said that your, your friends, your best friends will remain your best friends and your friends going forward, the guys you played with in Buffalo and all the other great guys that you are going to miss are going to be replaced with great guys. And, Sure enough, I, I get to the locker room the next day, and everything he said made sense to me. You know, once you started to meet your new teammates and all of that. So I think after getting traded a couple times, it just you, you, you understand how it, how it works and how you're supposed to act and behave and, and find a role on the next team. But when you haven't been traded before, Brock being one of them, and haven't played on multiple teams, it's actually a really tenuous uncomfortable time especially when your name is in the rumors um you'd never want to be there on the flip side of that is every game that you play going into the trade deadline you're playing for the vancouver canucks brass to keep you 
and you're playing for every other scout and general manager that's actually there that's going to see value and spark and light in the player that you can be. And uh, if I'm a player in the Vancouver Canucks lineup, I think my, I don't know if I can play harder than I did yesterday, but I better be more focused and I better keep going. And uh, there's opportunity around the corner. And here's the other thing. If you don't play well, nobody wants you. So it's, it's, it's pretty clear. Do we overrate uh, the trade deadline? Obviously, it's it's fun for us because we talk about trades all the time, and it, it does have to end at some point. You, you got to continue on with the season, but do we overrate the impact it has on deciding what a winner is for the season? I I think in many ways, um, and, and just quoting Brian Burke, right? Um, and Burke was our, was my my favorite general manager in the in the National Hockey League, but Burke said that so many teams ruin their their. Um, their, their, their team identity at the trade deadline. They overspend. They tra- trade away future assets to get something you know current and present, and which never amounts to turning out to becoming a winner. Only one team can win the NH- or the Stanley Cup. And um, now that doesn't mean that teams can't make trades to have more success, make more money, go further, and actually you know accelerate their plan. But so often teams overpay and I think teams are getting smarter to that and it's not as easy to move or pick up players because of the salary cap but um, I love the trade deadline I got traded at the deadline twice ironically both times at the trade deadline to a Brian Burke led team which was the Vancouver Canucks um, in one of them at the trade deadline in 2003 and and then Berkey was my general manager in Anaheim I was playing for Colorado and I got traded at the deadline to Anaheim, and we won the Stanley Cup that, that spring or that summer. Um, so the trade deadline to me delivered me a great opportunity in the Stanley Cup, and um, I love this time of year. And as a player, I relished the trade deadline because it gave me more motivation to play hard, to do what you need to do. And a lot of times the things you need to do on the ice to win are uncomfortable. For me at the time, it would have been playing extra physical fighting other other elements but for players that are actually defensively minded killing penalties they got to block shots and and be really you know courageous and 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 not shy away so you to win in the, at this level the national hockey league you got to be fully committed 100 percent. and if you're not um these scouts and general managers i have to think you know overall they see it they see fakers and and and, and cheaters and they also see the guys that are real, and um, it's exciting. I, I, I love the trade deadline. Hey, Brad, this was uh, awesome. Uh, we'll connect next week as we get closer to uh, your favorite time of the year than the trade deadline. I love it. I can't wait to break some for you next week. Uh, that's our guy, Brad May, as he joins us every Thursday here on The People's Show. Uh, always great insight from Brad and plenty to dig into there. And, yeah, excited to move closer to March 3rd, uh, the NHL trade deadline. We'll hear from Brad again next week. If you missed anything, you can always grab it on the podcast as well on The People's Show pod. Uh, all right. Before we go today... Uh, it's not a Canucks game day, but they are uh, in action. They are at the Dice and Ice event, uh, annual event. You can be part of it as well with the online auction in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund, bid on player baskets, sign memorabilia, unforgettable experiences, and much more. You can go to Canucks.com slash auction to make your bids now. 
Uh, on the other side, we'll chat a little uh, top 10 list uh, over at ESPN, putting together the top 10 D-men and goalies. Was there a Canucks inclusion, and where do they sit right now? We'll get into uh, that, plus more with Ken Priestley, uh, two-time cup champion, former NHLer, and Mr. Fixit from Dunbar Lumber, coming up here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show. Coming to you live from the Kin Tech Studio, the people's show here. Live in our studio, the portable studio being activated for Canucks Central. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, on hand for Dice and Ice. And again, if you want to be part of that, uh, go to Canucks.com slash auction to be involved in the bids for all the items uh, for the Canucks Dice and Ice event, which uh, goes towards the Canucks for Kids Fund. At 4 o'clock, Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah will take over the show live from Dice and Ice. And I suspect in the back end of that show, you'll hear for some uh, Canuck players as well. As they're uh, getting involved in the community this evening, getting ready for a game uh, not till Saturday. we got a couple of days off here. So we're scoreboard watching for the next couple of days. Go figure. Uh, last night, that was just massive. Arizona Coyotes picking up a W. Shutting out Tampa Bay. It's not just that you need other teams to win. It's also who they get points from that's important. Because you would go into it and say, well, Arizona and Tampa Bay, you know, if they're trying to pass you, how many more points are they going to get? You'd look at the Columbus game that's coming up for Arizona, and they got a Chicago game coming up. You'd say, okay, you can get some points there. But they start picking up points against Tampa Bay. That's massive. And suddenly, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's points in seven in a row for the Coyotes. That's huge. OTL's in there, obviously. But they are picking up points all of a sudden. And so looking at tonight's scoreboard, keeping an eye half hour away from Montreal and Carolina getting underway. Can they do what uh, Arizona just did, taking off an an Eastern Conference juggernaut uh, in that spot? Hurricanes uh, among the NHL is the best, obviously. We'll see what the uh, Montreal Canadiens do. Open up some gap between them and the Vancouver Canucks. It already exists. It's four points right now. But hey... Every little bit, uh, I guess, helps right now for the Vancouver Canucks. And then elsewhere, San Jose and Vegas is the big one. I do think Columbus is probably too far removed. Chicago, too far removed. Uh, Anaheim. You know, we've been talking about this for a while. For me, it's going to land somewhere between four and seven. And here they are. They got the fifth best lottery odds. Uh, I, I just don't see Columbus, Chicago, and Anaheim getting that many more points. Uh you just go through it. Um, I, I'd have to d- do a detailed look at their their schedules as well. But those three teams, we're looking at 27, 29 games remaining, somewhere in that stretch there uh, for those three teams. How many points are they realistically going to get? 15? 17 more? 
So if they're capping out at about 57 points, if they're lucky, that's four wins for the Vancouver Canucks. They're probably going to get that the rest of this way here. Uh, but we'll get into a bunch of stuff with uh, Ken Priestley. I did want to start with this uh, over at ESPN today. Uh, you want to get people talking? You want to get people mad? Uh, come up with the list, a top 10 list, uh, and people will certainly start dis- discussing it. I'm falling for the trap. I'm doing it. Uh, they did a top 10 D-men across the league. And he's obviously here in Vancouver. Immediate uh, reaction is, did Oliver Ekman-Larsen make the list? No. Uh, did Quinn Hughes make the list? Does not. And to be honest, uh, doesn't even make the honorable mentions. And initial reaction is that like, Quinn Hughes should be a top 10 D-man. And he started to go through some of these names here. And some of it is based on this season and also just staying power in general. So it goes McCarr as your uh, number one. Hey, you win a Norris, you win the Cup, you're going to be the incumbent for a while. Adam Fox, Victor Hedman, Roman Josie, uh, Charlie McAvoy, Eric Carlson, obviously having a fantastic season. Miro Heiskanen, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Jacob Slavin, and Dougie Hamilton uh, getting your top 10. Also included in there, the honorable mentions uh, would be Hampus Lindholm and Devon Taze, and that group does make a lot of sense to me. Uh, not involved in this, obviously. Josh Morrissey was having a fantastic season. Mort Sider, uh, for me, would be in that uh, conversation comfortably, but it, it brings up the conversation just exactly where Quinn Hughes is right now for you. And I, I would say somewhere around 17 would be the area. A lot of growth potential still in Queen Hughes' game. And here recently, obviously, look, if you're an offensive D-man, you have to score goals. If, if this is your game, you have to try to provide some, some offense in the goal column. Recently, it has picked up a great deal. And I know Rachel's been on this uh, crusade, and we'll hear from Rachel at uh, 4 o'clock with Canuck Central. But the last six weeks for Queen Hughes, significantly better than what we saw at the start of the season. Obviously, we, a couple of... Uh, bumps at the beginning of the year and an illness, but dating back to basically the start of the calendar year, it's been 20 points uh, for Quinn Hughes uh, these last 16 games, which has been fantastic. Uh, you mark that back to near the end of December, kind of mid-December, it's been 26 and 26, and the goals for Quinn Hughes uh, have come in that stretch here, five goals. So that's obviously much more impressive for Quinn. If you're going to be on that end of the ice, if you're going to try to be the goal creator, you do need to see some goals. Still some work to do to get into that top 10. I, I think if you did a top 10 left-hand D-man, it's probably tighter than people want to admit, but he's comfortably in. Uh, somewhere in that strange between 8 to 10 for me right now. Still some uh, growth uh, for Quinn Hughes to be made. Uh, Demko didn't make the list. I would chalk it up to the injury. But you, you, you go through the, the group there with goaltending. It can uh, drop off real fast. I think there's just a dedicated uh, range now for goalies. We know Shosturkin, we know Vasilevsky, and then it's Soros, Hellebuck, you throw Sorokin in there. And then, to me, it kind of just falls off a bit. Ottinger's making progress, uh, but there is still just a gap. Something we'll get into uh, with Kevin Woodley tomorrow here on the People Show. But let's connect with our guy right now, Ken Priestley, two-time cup champion, former NHLer, and our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber. Ken, how's it going? 
Great, Beck. Yourself? Uh, yes, uh, no complaints uh, on this end. Uh, rarely uh, are there. Uh, but we're going through the season here. Uh, continue on, and it's been a while since we've talked to you because uh, a lot has changed uh, for the Canucks. Uh, some bodies uh, going out and uh, go through the All-Star break and everything, and, and here we are now, kind of looking at the tail end of the season. You know, When you get to this stage and it's not going well, uh, how difficult it is, and I feel like at times, you know, Tockett's kind of preaching this right now, just be able to stay on small details, and yet there's the other aspect of this, the players getting to the end of the season and start looking out for themselves right now. When you're at this stage of the season, how tough it is? How tough is it to play the, the team game? It's, I think you always stick to the team game, but it is difficult. I mean, I've been in, I've been in this situation before my first couple of years in Buffalo where the teams weren't necessarily fighting for playoffs, and uh, it always seemed like, uh, game in and game out, and even practice in. You know, like you, you, you were performing to the best of your ability to make sure that uh, the powers that be had your number in their mind for next season. And um, I mean, I think the second year that uh, that I was in Buffalo, they had the number one overall pick after that season, which uh, turned out to be Pierre Turgeon. Uh, and then they went out and draft, or they, uh, I think they traded for Dale Howarchuk. So. Here I am, a centerman, coming off some pretty good years in the American League, and all of a sudden I got Pierre Turgeon and Dale Howardchuk uh, to battle against. Uh, it makes things difficult. So you just you just keep on going, and uh, you know in the Canuck situation with all these different voices that everybody's had in the last uh, couple of years, you just kind of take it day by day and. Hopefully things improve and, uh, you know, brighter things are, are for the future. Uh, we're getting a few more games to get a sample size of uh, Anthony Bovillier and what he looks like in a Canucks uniform. Obviously, he's gotten this great opportunity, not just on the power play, but skating alongside Elias Pedersen. I was just asking Brad May, just, you know, a certain profile of player you want to see next to uh, Elias Pedersen in general. And, and, and there's a speed element that you want to see next to Petey. But what have you seen from Bovillier in his short run here in Vancouver? Yeah, I like I like him. I think uh, I think the speed that that he brings is is obviously really really key to to that line. Um, it looks like he's got uh, the offensive mind, and it looks like things are 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 coming together game in and game out. They they, they seem to be uh, they seem to be clicking. I mean, it's only it's only what a couple of weeks since uh, since they've been put together, and um, you know, there's positive things, no question about it. And uh, anytime you get a chance to play with the likes of a Pedersen. Um, you just want to make sure that uh, you know you're, you're you're constantly communicating, whether it be in practice, whether it be on the bench. You want to get into his head. You want to try and figure out what he's thinking, and then just go on natural instinct, and and hopefully the two styles of play uh, play match. And 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 all of a sudden in the games, you hear you go, you get one goal, you get a couple of goals, and and things are going good. Everybody's confidence is good, and and you just roll with it, and uh, hopefully it stays for uh, as a as a combination for a long time. Playing on natural instinct, uh, you know, with, with the changes they're trying to make under this new coaching staff, there were moments last night where you could see them thinking, especially in the defensive zone. Um, now I know they did the stop start and everything like that, but uh, practice and practice. But um, that natural instinct, like how long does that take to develop for you uh, going through that process of what this team can eventually get into? Will, will that even happen this season for them? I think it does. I mean, every, the, the game is the game is a real simple game when it when you kind of break it down. There's only so many ways to do certain things, right? Playing your own zone, breakouts, neutral zone, all that kind of stuff. There's little little tweaks here and there that uh, that coaches uh, that coaches give and coaches bring to teams. Um, 
But basically, when things are going the way they're going for the Vancouver Canucks at this particular time, and I think uh, Rick said it, he just got to get down to the basics. And sometimes when things aren't going good, the reason why they're not is because the, the system is being cheated, the game's being cheated. You don't necessarily pay attention to the things that uh, that make you a good defensive team. Um, they're hard, they're difficult, and uh, and and you have to focus all the time. And and sometimes that's just difficult for things for players to focus on constantly because at the end of the day you want to be out of your zone and get into the get in the excitement end which is which is where points are and goals are scored and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. that's what people want i mean it all these guys that are offensive guys they do not want to be in the defensive zone at all you know but unfortunately you know if you're not scoring you, you know you you, you got to make sure you're doing something for your team and make sure you're not getting scored against that's why I kind of worry about this the, the the timing of the coaching change, right? This isn't a chance to kind of motivate the guys and say, hey, look, we're still going for the playoffs. It came at a timeline where it's very obvious, and, and given the nature of some of these practices and how hard they're being, it's not necessarily prioritizing results to kind of push back into it. So if you're one of the players that's going to be finding themselves on the outside looking in, this process, like you do impact those around you too that are trying to work and, and have some staying power. Well, if you just look at the lineups that they've, put together in the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're giving, they're giving people and players a chance that, that really never got a chance. And um, they want to see what they have. They want to see before the deadline, do I really need a left winger or is this guy going to fit a role, right? Like they've been, they've been, you know, put it behind the eight ball at the beginning of this season with the Demko injury and having to bring up goalies that were not necessarily um, NHL savvy right they, they have played games there they're 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 competitive goaltenders but the, we were all used to having a star goalie in thatcher demko who who stole games for you and made the little mistakes that you did in your own zone as a team not look so huge whereas this year they haven't been so lucky right and it's not it's not the goalie's fault it, i mean there's 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 goals i think which they would like back but goals getting scored against, yes, you're a goalie, but it, it's really the defense in front of you. And, and if you make the first save, you're always trying to say, okay, the defense get rid of the, you know, get rid of the rebounds, push into the corners, you know, make sure that the forwards are on their man. We don't get point shots from the point. It's a it's a team game, and everybody has to play their role in defensive zone. It with bringing in all these new guys and bringing in these new coaches, they have to find a way that this is and they've obviously been given a little bit of a longer leash. We're going to start now. We're going to start at a, at a time and a place where maybe our season is not quite there for playoffs. Maybe they realize this, you know what, let's see what we got. Let's, let's break it right down. And hopefully we get a jump start into next year with maybe a, a star player in the first round, but also with a bunch of group here that has just had the last couple of months of the season to get used to their new coach get used to the new defensive coach, the power play coaches, the way that they think and have a fresh start for next year. On the goalies, I've made the point that it's 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 hard to correctly evaluate, especially Martin and Delia, because the environment that's been created for them is so difficult. And are there goals that they should stop? Yes. But I would kind of argue that the overall totality of the, the way the goals are being scored, it's it's hard to trust what your defense is going to do sometimes. And I just worry about the mental fatigue of that sometimes maybe slips in, in moments where we think, okay, the goalie should have this one, but it does squeak by. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. There's, there's no doubt that I think every one of those players 
has probably thought that at one time. Um, but this is these are the cards that are dealt, right? You don't if if management is giving you this and the coaches are giving you this, this is how you react as a team. You can't you can't sit there and pout about uh, I wish Thatcher was back and and, and it wasn't uh, whoever we're putting in goal. Like you you can't do that. You have to play with uh, with the the cards that you're dealt. You have to play with the defensemen that you're playing with, the goalies, the forwards, and make the best of it. And 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 uh, but it does. It does go through your mind. You're thinking that you're in a game here. When is the other side going to drop here? Are we going to let a soft one in? You know, it may not be the goalie's fault. It may be defensively we we missed a check. But you know what? I, I just think that it's such a fragile environment right now that I think they're doing the right thing by breaking it down uh, step by step, game by game, and and hopefully at the other end here in the not so distant future that we have a team that uh, that is playing the game the proper way. No one's taking shortcuts, and we're back into competitive hockey again. Uh, talking to Ken Priestley, our two-time cup champion, our Mr. Fix-It as well from Dunbar Lumber. Kuzmenko, uh, we, you and I have chatted about Kuzmenko uh, quite a bit. He uh, put on a show yesterday. That play he makes, it, it like the spatial awareness to spin around like that and pivot into that spot and still have the wherewithal to know, okay, I'm right on top of Shesterkin and make that play that he does. That obviously goes off the underside of the bar, a bit unlucky, but nevertheless, like – that's something that uh, the the confined space work that he can do really sets himself uh, up well. That's why he's a goal scorer because mm-hmm. he gets himself into those spots. I mean, you it's soft areas, it's greasy areas. Like he's not afraid to go to the front of the net. I mean, the the goal that he got last night it was it was a kind of a, a half a net drive. But I'm going to sit here in the slot. I'm not just going to go. I'm going to see what comes out of this pass. He gets a pass. It's on his stick. It's off his stick. It's in the back of the net. That's he's a goal scorer, and um, he loves to score goals. And uh, you can see it in his face, and 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 you can see it in the reaction when he scores a goal. That uh, he's going to put himself in 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 positions that's going to make him successful. And you know what? But you play with guys like that. There's a reason why they they are they're scoring goals. They're not just lucky. There there's a there's a there's a part to go, scoring goals that is luck. But what he's doing and, and the positions that he's putting himself in to be successful is huge for the for for him going forward. Yeah, that goal that he does score, right? It's not just latch onto the puck and just rip it as hard as he can and put it to his face. He is using the defender too as a screen, and that's a part of like the instincts that you see from a natural goal scorer. Use your surroundings to try to uh, elevate your opportunity to score. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he's not. He's using that defenseman as a screen. He's using, you know, every spot below the stick, above the stick, between the legs. You know, everything that he's looking at is going through his mind at the at the at, the, at huge speeds where he already anticipates. I know exactly where I'm going to shoot this puck when I get this puck on my stick, and and it's it's not something that you can. I think you can really teach. You can teach people to shoot pucks. You can pe- teach people to pick corners and all that kind of stuff, but you can't teach people to score goals. And and what goal scores, natural goal scores, Ovechkin, Crosby, you name it, Braden Point, all these guys that score goals on a regular basis, um, they're doing it uh, because they have something. And, and uh, if everybody had that, we'd see it more frequently from from offensive players. But uh, you know what? It's It's a gift that these guys got, and it's fun to watch. Hey, Ken, we appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll chat pretty soon. Yeah, take care, guys. It's our guy, Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber, two-time cup champion, uh, former NHLer as well. All right, uh, 
busy show today. Uh, ran a stuff uh, that Frank Cervelli was chatting about, but you know uh, Canuck Central will uh, be on it as well. I feel like Dom's uh, taking me to task there behind the glass. Nothing? Got nothing to say? All right. All right, we'll leave it up to Canuck Central. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, they are on the way live from Dice and Ice. And again, go to Canucks.com slash auction to be part of the uh, online auction in support of Canucks for Kids. Uh, they will have plenty to discuss about, some players on hand as well uh, for the great event over at the Fairmont. Uh, they are on the way here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.